Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. We are ready to go on a whole brand new week of shows, and man, things are just uh, things are happening all over the place. Good thing we're here to chronicle. Otherwise, who would know? If we weren't here to talk about all of this stuff, the world would never... That's what I'm going with. I'm just going to imagine that we are the, the voice of something. Anyway, big show for you today. We're going to talk to our friend Charles Bohm from MLSsoccer.com and SoccerWire.com and many other places about Decision Day. I may go into the U.S. Women's National Team win over Brazil yesterday with Charlie, and we've just gotten news out of Philadelphia that may come up. Big news out of Philadelphia. Uh, we had some lead up, some rumors, but nevertheless, big day to be a Philadelphia Union fan despite the fact that their season is over and they're not in the playoffs. Let's start with the news. We'll go into decision day in MLS leading off. Didier Drogba scores twice in about two minutes for the, to help uh, the Montreal Impact to a 2-1 win over Toronto FC. These two teams will face off again in the playoffs on Thursday in Montreal. Montreal's victory, combined with other Eastern Conference results, jumped the impact up to the third position in the Eastern Conference. Columbus crushes D.C. United 5-0 to earn their bye into the conference semifinals. They jump into second place. New England beating TFC, I'm sorry, beating NYCFC 3-0. That means D.C. United will now host the New England Revolution on Wednesday in the first round of the playoffs. And as I said, Columbus moving into that second spot uh, to get the bye into the conference semifinals alongside the New York Red Bulls. Speaking of the New York Red Bulls, they get a win 2-1 over the Chicago Fire in Bridgeview. That's the first ever win for the Red Bulls at Toyota Park, and it gets them the supporter shield. They are the top team in terms of points over the regular season in MLS. FC Dallas beat San Jose 2-1, ending the Quakes' chances of the playoffs. FC Dallas comes up just short of the supporter, supporter shield, but they did finish first in the Western Conference. Seattle closes their season with a 3-1 win over RSL. Clint Dempsey scoring goals for Seattle, which is a good sign for them. Vancouver locks up second place with a 3-0 win over Houston. And because Sporting Kansas City beat uh, L.A. 2-1 at Sporting Park, L.A. will now have to travel to Seattle for an opening round playoff match on Wednesday, winner take all, winner moves on. Uh, big, big match, two of the more highly fancied teams, certainly big spenders in the Western Conference, facing off the first round. That game is absolute fire. Portland thumping Colorado 4-1 to close out their regular season. Darlington Abbey scores twice and picks up an assist. And now Portland, by virtue of finishing in third place, will host Sporting Kansas City on Thursday in the opening round of the Western Conference playoffs. So if you got all of that, we have our four opening round matchups heading into midweek with those conference semifinals opening up on the weekend. In the Premier League this weekend, West Ham keeps the misery upon Chelsea with a 2-1 win at Upton Park. Jose Mourinho sent off in that match. Watched the winner from the stands. Uh, quite uh, incredible images as he is in the box as uh, uh, West Ham supporters, West Ham fans, cheer the victory uh, for uh, for West Ham. Arsenal defeating Everton 2-1. to one. Arsenal moves into first place with the win. This game happened on Saturday. It was, uh, wasn't was clear if they would still be in first as of Monday based on the, uh, based on the Manchester Derby, but 
in that game, Manchester United and City played to a very drab, scoreless, goalless draw. Uh, so Arsenal still remains in first place. Villa loses, loses at home to Swansea, immediately sacks manager Tim Sherwood after the game. Right now, they are reportedly in talks to hire former Arsenal defender and Lyon manager Remy Gardet to replace him. Sunderland wins the Wertine Derby 3-0 over Newcastle. That puts uh, a lot more pressure on uh, on Newcastle. Liverpool plays to a 1-1 stalemate at Anfield with Southampton. And Spurs beat Bournemouth 5-1. Harry Kane with a hat-trick for uh, Spurs. In Europe, further other further results across the continent. Roma beating Fiorentina, moving to first place in Serie A. Bayern crushing Cologne, 4-0. Dortmund, 5-1 winners over Augsburg to stay there in second place. And PSG stays perfect in France with a 4-1 win over Saint-Étienne. The U.S. women's national team, as I mentioned, beating Brazil 3-1 in front of a crowd of almost 33,000 fans at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. The Americans sent off retiring players Lori Kolopny and Lauren Holiday in style with the victory. Stephanie McCaffrey becomes the 18th U.S. Women's National Team player to score in her debut, the first one since Kristen Press. The U.S. U-17s, going back to Friday, lost to Chile uh, in their final group stage match at the U-17 World Cup and were eliminated. A very disappointing performance for Richie Williams and his team. They had one, uh, they had uh, two losses and a draw in their three matches and were unable to advance to the knockout rounds of the tournament. Uh, plenty of young talent in that group, but the team performance left a lot to be desired. UEFA is uh, suggesting that Secretary General Gianni Infantino becomes uh, a candidate for the FIFA presidential race. Members of UEFA's executive committee are recommending that he be nominated. Uh, they have had an emergency session or maybe planning on one. I'm not sure when this is happening just to recommend Infantino, he's been Michel Platini's right-hand man at UEFA for six years. He joins a crowded field that now may include Sheikh Salman of Bahrain, although I've seen tweets this morning that suggest Salman has not yet submitted his paperwork and may be having second thoughts. The Philadelphia Union, this is the final, uh, final item of news and just added uh, as of literally five minutes ago, have reached an agreement with former U.S. international Ernie Stewart, to become the club's sporting director. Stewart was obviously a major part of the U.S. men's national team in the 90s and 2000s. 101 caps uh, before his retirement in 2005. He briefly played with D.C. United as he closed out his career. He steps into the breach and will attempt to, pro, uh, to put the Philadelphia Union back on the map as a major contender in MLS. All right, that's good stuff. It's a way, uh, good way to start the show. Lots of news, lots of things in the American venue that we will talk to Charlie Bohm about in just a minute. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Facing the crowd, you're talking too loud. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. What a time to be alive. American soccer all over the place. Joining us uh, to talk about everything that's happening. We're going to cover it all, and I know he can speak about it in intelligent terms and knowledgeable ways. Charlie Bohm, 
MLSsoccer.com, SoccerWire.com, C-B-O-E-H-M on Twitter. Hi, Charlie. Hey, Jason. Intelligence on a Monday may be a stretch, but uh, I'll I know you you've I had got. coffee. You're a co- you're a journalist. You're a coffee guy. You've had coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so we we need some coffee to sort of flesh out everything that happened yesterday, decision day in MLS. The first time the league has chosen to go to simultaneous starts. Not not everybody, but divided by conferences, with one exception. We've already sort of outlined that uh, before the games. Uh, we've got uh, we've got our playoff teams. I think for everything that that we all the permutations that were on the table coming into the weekend um you know what what, i was just waiting for the the games to happen so i wouldn't have to worry about them anymore here we go when when we look at the what happened yesterday and the teams that actually had something to gain who gained the most Ooh, that's a fun question um i would say actually it was a great day for vancouver because that's a team that had uh, was really limping down the stretch uh, really hit by injuries. Their attack had gone cold. It wasn't clear who was going to step up for them, who was going to be av- available, uh, you know, injury-wise. And, and I'm sure we'll still have some questions about that um, co- over the next week. But uh, they took advantage of uh, of their home cooking. They they got a comfortable result against Houston, and now they're in the second spot in the West. So they've got an extra few days off, and um, uh, and they can use it as much as anyone with their injuries and some of their selection questions. So. Um, a great way to sort of uh, level things out and uh, correct the the course for the Whitecaps. All right, fair enough. In the Western Conference, the Whitecaps move into second place, get that bye. Um, in the Eastern Conference, look, New York was playing for a supporter shield yesterday. Uh, they, they locked that up. That means home field all the way through if they make it. Uh, but it, there was still a lot to play for below them. D.C. United and the Columbus crew. At Mount Frey, Mount Frey, Mount Fire, whatever it's stadium, and the crew just put a beat down on DC United. I watched that game, Charlie. It was on, it was one of the national television games yesterday. Um, I, I was just amazed by the the lackluster performance from DC United. There was no fight there. What what's the problem? Yeah, so I didn't get to watch much of that uh, match. I was assigned to um, uh, to the Montreal Toronto game during that time slot, but. Listen, you know, there's no, there's, there's no questions left, really. I mean, in terms of, you know, the performance, the scoreline, uh, the psychological impact on both sides, um, you just can't, you can't do that. I mean, going in, it's effectively a, an early playoff game for both those clubs because the second seed is on the line in the East. It certainly has its benefits, and uh, and United just didn't show up. You know, they just didn't show up, and that's not something that. Um, Benny Ball that Ben Olsen's style is supposed to allow for. Yeah, they get beat. They often get outplayed in terms of chance creation and possession, but they're not supposed to get uh, just whipped off the pitch that way. And so that's um, you know that that's a tough result for them. Now maybe you know maybe Ben is going to be able to spin this one and, and uh, play the nobody believes in us card, use it to piss off his guys a little bit and get them get them whipped up. They certainly now have something extra to play for. They've got basic pride at stake um when new england comes to town uh, uh, uh this week so you know maybe that he can he can um polish this um <laughs> polish this thing that they laid uh polish it up nicely but yeah. i don't i don't see how you um get over the psychological impact of that game in just a couple days and then on the flip side of course crew sc has shown us flashes of real quality this season mm-hmm. a lot of doubts about whether they can produce that in the clutch and produce that reliably and boy, that's a marker right there. That is a, a now a team to beat. 
And it is, and they did it without Kamara and Iguain, and and you know obviously Burhalder is going to put those guys back in the lineup uh, when they go into the playoffs next weekend. But but that that's a big confidence booth. I thought Jack McInerney was very good. He, obviously, Ethan Finley scoring goals. But what you what I saw, and and you didn't watch the game, so you'll have to try to you know. I know you watch enough crew this year to know what this is. There are there are certainly gaps. I mean, Affle was up the field so high at various points. Nick DeLeon basically had free reign on the left hand left hand side of the um, of the DC United attack, but there wasn't an ability to convert that into real chances for United. I think other I think better teams take advantage of the crew. So what what is it? I mean, when you look at them as a playoff contender, how do they manage to to cover for those deficiencies? Or are they just going to have to go out and score outscore everybody? You talking about the crew here? Yes. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I think they're comfortable in a track meet. Um, I think that the home field advantage is really going to suit them because uh, it allows them to dictate a bit. Now, certainly they've been vulnerable on the counter, and I think that's there's still a question that remains. Um, you know, teams that those full, fullbacks love to to race forward into the attack. There are spaces back there. It's going to take um, sort of uh, intelligent teams that have a, a good counter attacking. Uh, patterns of play in place for example like i think new england matches up pretty well with the crew um red, the red bulls match up if the if the seeds uh you know they if everything goes chalk in this bracket and then we see red bulls crew sc in the conference finals i think that'll be fun because there's a lot of interesting matchups mm-hmm. there between the press and, versus the uh, you know the sort of uh, um uh, all systems go run and gun that that columbus like uh, so the question I think is, you know, do, do uh, opponents have those guys that can sneak into those little gaps and seams, especially along the flanks, uh, force their uh, center backs to make tough decisions, you know, and kind of kind of catch them in transition. I think that's how you beat the crew. Um, but right now, you know, they're they're very comfortable to um, to grab the ball and keep it a while and and make you chase and and try and stretch you and move you around the field and and create overloads and, and push numbers into the attack. Yeah. Uh, certainly. So Columbus on a high coming out of the regular season, DC United on a low. We've already talked a bit um, about, uh, well, uh, we, let's, let's talk about Drogba. Let's talk about what Mo- Montreal has done since his arrival. They beat TFC 2-1. Now, I don't know if Toronto really felt the impetus to go after this thing. They, they should have. Obviously, it would have helped them seating-wise. Maybe they get a home game. As it is, they've got to go back to Montreal now. Um, so if we're talking about who had a lot to lose on the ta- uh, in terms of the, the playoff positions other than teams that missed out, maybe TF- TFC's on that list. Yeah, the Reds afterwards said, uh, I think it was Jonathan Osorio said, this game means nothing. The real game is Thursday. I think they're one, they're one of the Thursday games. Um, you know, that's it's easy to say afterwards, but they, they had this game. Um, the first 45 minutes clearly shaded Toronto. Uh, they had a 1-0 lead at halftime. It looked as though they kind of uh, figured out Drogba. They, their two center backs kept them pretty quiet for the first 45. Uh, Michael Bradley and Benoit Cheru are a very uh, uh, intelligent, um, very aware central midfield partnership. Um, I think they they felt like they had a pretty good handle on this game, and then it was just some halftime adjustments, um, and then a, a few uh, a few moments of Didier Drogba beast mode. Really, what, what it came down to that game was decided on a. Gosh, less than five minutes span, right around the fiftieth, fifty-fifth minute, and um, you know, Drogba has shown he can uh, do all the grunt work you expect from a number nine. He can put in the work, and then he can also um, 
you know, create chances and he can dispatch chances without needing too many of them. Mm. Uh, just a class player. I'm still in shock that this man is 37 and a half years old because he's just the complete package and, and, uh, and really just exploited a, a few breakdowns. And I think for TFC, they've got uh, the same questions as sort of lingering uh, that they've had for months now. Is that, is that defense, especially the, the heart of it, those center backs, do you trust them? Can they um, be disguised or can they step up enough in the postseason now to where all those other solid contributors around the field uh, can make the difference? Because right now, Ahmed Kantari, their center back, looks like the weak link to me, and I'm not sure um, what their plans are for, for disguising that. Well, I mean, an inability to, to, to mark Drogba on both of those goals. Again, he scored twice in, in roughly a minute and a half. Now, yeah, and carbon copies, really. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah both uh, little re- redeflect, uh, you know, uh, redirections from, from Drogba, great goals. Um, he, he, because, we've, because he's changed Montreal so much, and because, because of him... I'm sitting here thinking, uh, Charlie, this might be a dark horse. I mean, they, they might be an MLS Cup final contender but just based on, on what Drogba has done for them. But that means that if he goes down, if he's not unable to play, you really now you flipped on the other side. And he did take some he did take a cleat to the knee, hobbled around for about five minutes. Um, it looked like he may even have to come off. He, he ultimately didn't. I don't know if it was if he was acting. I don't know if he was milking. I don't know if he's time wasting. But <laughs> if let's let's imagine that Drogba takes a knock and, and can't play, whether it's uh, the first round game on Thursday or or beyond that, if they win, what does that do to Montreal's chances? Yeah, no, no team in this uh, playoffs tournament is more dependent on a single individual than than Montreal, and and there's it, it's hard to blame them because there there are just not many. <laughs> Um, not many like for like moves you can make on that roster or any other roster in this league. He's and and it's the force of will too. I mean the personality he brings to that team, the leadership. I got to talk to uh, Andre Lefebvre, their um, their local boy, um, homegrown center back when when the Canadian national team was in town here in DC a, a few weeks ago, and he talked about the the person he is. You don't just want to play with this guy, uh, Drogba. You want to play for him. He does so much work. He has such sort of class and charisma. And he said, listen, I know as a center back, um, if I'm under pressure, I can just chip that ball into his general vicinity, <laughs> you know, anywhere within 10, 20 yards of Drogba. And I know he's going to go fight for it. He's probably going to bring it down on his chest. And then we play from there. And that's, you know, obviously that's just what a number nine is supposed to do. But nobody does it as reliably, as powerfully uh, as he does. And uh, if you swap in, it's probably Oduro, let's say, is the, the most likely replacement um, and that's just a fundamentally different proposition. That, that's a, that's a, a speedster who you think about the impact team you saw early in this season. They're going to have to sit deeper. They're going to have to absorb more pressure. They immediately become a more passive team, more Catanasio style. And I don't think that that suits them to the same extent that, that Drogba's uh, sort of abilities to, to get them on the front foot do. Um, they can play that. They can sit deep and, and soak up pressure, and they may well have to do that. Uh, in this in these playoffs, as they had to do in the Concacaf Champions League run they made, but um, but with Drogba, it's just um, it, it's it, he gets all everyone around him playing better, and you could see even yesterday, fascinating to watch him drop at times, sort of drop into the into midfield, and then Oduro is learning to play with him, you know, yeah. moving into the space, um, still finding seams. So they're they're they've clicked so quickly, and it's uh, it's very impressive, and I think they really are. They're where the Revs were last year. This sort of team that's. Um, Maybe on paper doesn't look like the best in the East, but they're certainly the hottest team in the East at the moment. 
All right, let's turn to so so Montreal hosting Toronto and uh, DC United hosting New England. Those are your opening round matches in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Columbus and New York awaiting the winners of those matchups. Out west, um, Seattle coming out of the regular season with a win. Clint Dempsey looking engaged. That's obviously big. That makes them they they go from wow, I don't really believe in Seattle at all to wow, maybe they can go win the whole thing. They're, they're a little bit like Montreal in that way, although it's not based on on one player. Yeah, it's based on two players. It's it's Dempsey <laughs> and Oba. You know, and as Oba Femi Martins and Clint Dempsey go, so go the Sounders. Again, we saw them, ha- you know, kind of limp along and have their really atrocious worst stretch of the season in midsummer when those two guys were out uh, via injuries and international call ups. Um, they are they're just such a dramatically different proposition. Again, they're a team whose quality up top allows them to play so many different ways effectively. If you have to push them back. Guys like Chad Marshall and Brad Evans are smart. They're communicators. They're good defenders. Um, they can they can soak up pressure, um, and then they can beat you with two just two guys in the uh, attacking half. I mean that's that's how good that those two guys are up top with the combination play and the the rhythm and the movements that they can construct. And then if they want to jump on top of you and and dictate, they can do that as well. And and they certainly can do that really effectively at CenturyLink with a loud crowd, with wet, greasy. Um, fast turf underneath them that they're very comfortable with um so they're they're a tough proposition especially at home uh the the west is just i mean i think uh i think college football fans may recognize the the phenomenon here it's sort of like the the southeastern conference in college football where the best teams are just bashing each other's brains out um over there on the west side and and uh it really does make you wonder if 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 anybody's going to come out of there in one piece well enough to to win in, in the cup final uh, I think uh, L.A. versus Seattle is, is uh, you know, we saw that as an epic uh, two-leg series last year in the playoffs, and I think we'll have a pretty epic one-game playoff here, and uh, we'll see if there's anything left of those two teams once they get through. Yeah, uh, so L.A. losing in, in, in Kansas City, Sporting uh, gets a 2-1 victory. Benny Failhopper comes off the bench in the second half and makes a, a big difference, and not only is that uh, what secures Sporting's place, in the playoffs, they finish as the sixth seed and have to go to Portland. It also is what knocks LA into one of the the lower the lowest seeds, and ha- they have to go to Seattle, as you mentioned. Um, the the Galaxy just, you know, I, I said this coming into the weekend, and and again, we've identified uh, the the team that had the most to, to gain and did so. LA, LA for me was one of those teams that had a, a lot to lose if they didn't perform well because they were going to have to face a road game in the playoffs if things went against them, and they did. And and now they go from maybe your favorite or your second favorite to well down the list, and it's maybe it's just about Steven Gerrard or maybe it's not, Charlie. Well, yeah, and you, you know, when you look at uh, what Galaxy fans are saying on social media, there's there's frustration and there's also complete, completely mystified L.A. fans wondering, what is their team right now? Are they going to show up? Is is this? Uh, I heard somebody suggest maybe this is an epic sandbag job by Bruce Arena. Maybe he he <laughs> didn't think last week was or, you know this past weekend was crucial, and now maybe they can flip the switch. They have the veterans with the sort of you know uh, the game face sort of mentality that can um, get the result when it really and truly is a must win. I don't know. I mean, I think they they of course with a team of that size and and their sort of uh, their their glamour and glitz they went out and signed guys that are not only um acquisitions with a mind for uh, on the field but also off the field and merchandise sales and and um sort of media footprint and everything and right now i just i don't see them as having uh, improved the the sum of their parts 
with uh, with Dos Santos and Gerard. I mean, maybe it's just a matter of time. Maybe there'll be a, a juggernaut again next season. But right now, it's not all quite adding up. And it's fascinating, too, to hear people suggest that this uh, an arena team doesn't want it as badly as the opposition. Um, that's really surprising. I, re- I do wonder if they're going to uh, really bear down over the next couple of days, uh, tweak their tactics a bit, uh, really kind of get into guys' heads and uh, and demand something more. Because this is a group that, that regardless of the sort of newness of some of the, the, the partnerships and combinations, uh, I expected them to play with a bit more pride, and I expect them to at least come out with that edge to uh, to at least you know go out fighting. Because you can ask questions about whether they did so in KC. All right, so our Western Conference matchups, and, and I really haven't had... Well, okay, before we move on to uh, the off-the-field news in Philadelphia, I guess I should give some credit uh, to the Portland Timbers. They finished strong with a 4-1 win over Colorado. Now, the Colorado's a patsy here, but Nagby scoring twice, getting an assist, looking to be rounding into form at exactly the right time for, for Portland. is it, it could be huge for them. Yeah, no Diego Valeri. Uh I think it's um, important to recognize that there's an incalculable benefit to getting results without your star men. The belief that that can represent, even in subtle ways at this point in the season, we saw with Columbus, um, and I think with, with Portland it's the same. They they finally have a little bit of an identity, a sense of um, of who their stars are, who their, their clutch guys can be now. Um, I think it's, again, it's a, a, a team that really is going to love being able to host a game. Um, I'm sure that Providence Park will be rocking, and they're one of the big winners too from the weekend um, because they, they've answered some questions. You know, there's been a lot of doubts about that Timbers team, and I think a lot of them have been assuaged. I think a lot of their fans who've been kind of looking for a sign for months and months now, and they've they've finally gotten it. All right, so the Western Conference playoffs: Portland hosting Sporting Kansas City, and the LA Galaxy having to travel to Seattle. Both those games are fantastic. And if we had uh, if somebody had, had tried to sell us on the playoffs looking like this at the beginning of the year, I'm not sure we would have believed them, especially with FC Dallas in first place and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Those two teams, um, this could be very fun, is is all I'm going to say. As you said, the the Western Conference beating up on each other. Uh, Before we run out of time, though, with Charlie, we definitely have to talk about the big news this morning. Philadelphia Union have agreed to to a contract with Ernie Stewart, former U.S. international, obviously recently of Azed Alkmaar uh, in his native Netherlands. Charlie, what does this mean for Philadelphia? Yeah, this is enormous, and I think you probably recall I was uh, very dubious as to whether they could pull this one off. Uh, so huge, huge credit has to go to the Philly front office. Um, again, you know, there's it's one thing to lose games uh, and miss playoffs and and uh, and have all that you know, the frustration that comes with uh, with lack of success on the field, but um, their fans finally have something positive. I think they're they're probably feeling really good about things at, at the moment because uh, Nick Sakiewicz, uh, the longtime executive just wasn't getting it done and and was had become a little bit of a boogeyman for fans he's out now and to replace him effectively and we'll see what the organizational structure looks like uh, under the new system but i think ernie stewart is just a dream hire i mean you couldn't ask for someone uh better in terms of uh, knowledge of of the domestic scene connections and uh and knowledge and networking in in the global game um great great uh track record of developing talent of 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 improving players, of identifying players. So again, when you look at what Philly's got, the tools they have are substantial, and and people I think are sleep on this club a bit. It's a big media market. They've carefully crafted a very impressive, very progressive youth system. I think Ernie Stewart is as good a candidate as anyone to sort of put all this together and create a better product. And uh, and I think he will. Just a matter of time. 
So what's job one for him, do you think? I mean, this is a, a club that has chosen a, an alternate path in terms of youth development. I know you've looked into that. Uh, the, the, obviously, the results on the field have been lackluster. They've brought in some some interesting pieces that have not settled in. There seems to be some confusion over what kind of style they want to play. And then there's this, the fact that you know Jim Curtin, I don't know that he's overly convincing for anybody despite some relative success, at least in the Open Cup, and, and, and being a local guy. Yeah, well, they went for personality over resume with that hire. Um, Philly is a place that has a, a clear sort of cultural identity as a community. Um, Jim Curtin is a native. He fits into that. I think that proved to be the sort of his main hook um, more so than his experience. He did have a, a good track record coaching at the academy level. Um, he does know the league very well, but he's one of those, you know, yet another of several guys around the league who've been asked and who have uh, had to learn on the job, which is a tough gig. We'll have to see if Ernie Stewart believes in him, if he's the guy or if Stewart wants to bring in his own guy. That's certainly possible there. It's unclear uh, whether He's come in, you know, made an agreement of some kind before taking the job about the head coach. Um, maybe we'll learn more about that at the press conference. And and there's a good uh, media crew there in Philly that can dig up uh, the behind the scenes relationships there. But so that's a question for sure. Is 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 Curtin his guy? And then second, um, again, what is the identity? I think he's a, he's in a good position at having come from Alkmaar as a club that's a selling club that nonetheless competed very well because they were very good at the process. They were able to identify talent and then get it playing well as a cohesive whole. Um, I think most of the time he's, he was in charge. They had a very sort of orthodox Dutch 4-3-3 system. We'll see if he's married to that uh, look or if he lets his coach uh, figure that sort of stuff out. And then uh, and then we see how much money he's going to get, right? They, they're, they've not been a huge spender. I think certainly Jay Sugarman, their owner, has invested, but not necessarily playing with the big boys in terms of the 6-7 million dollar men. He's brought in, you know, smart guys, uh, smart signings, uh, guys like Tranquilo Barnetta. Uh, Sebastian Latou is a veteran who I think will, uh, will hope to be back. And I, I expect him to be back on an option year. So the, I'm sure there'll be turnover in that roster, but, uh, but we see whose fingerprints uh, will begin to appear on all those decisions. Yeah. Christian Maidana finishing second in the league in assists. He's certainly been a bright spot for Philadelphia. A couple of things here about Ernie. First, he won't take the job until January 1st. So he's obviously going to see out, uh, whatever, the first half of the season with Azed. I'm not sure. Uh, so, so there's some reason for him to wait to take the job, uh, just getting his affairs in order, I imagine. So you have a question over what happens between now and January 1st uh, if decisions need to be made. I'm sure he'll be. Uh, I'm sure he'll be getting phone calls, but he won't be on on hand to be a major part of that. And then there's a question, Charlie, and you brought this up before when you were speculating that this may not happen um, or, or you had some doubts over it because of Ernie's previous frustration. And we are talking 10 years ago with the structure and rules of MLS. Do you think that Ernie has a full grasp of those? I mean, that that's sort of a guess. Or do we imagine him bringing in somebody who is ultimately familiar with the ins and outs of the league's rules in order to help him along? Yeah, so he finished his playing career with DC United here in MLS. Uh, this is a, a you know one of the original dual nationals, a, a true dual, nas- dual national in many ways. He is uh, every bit, uh, I would say, fifty-fifty Dutch American. He has the mindset, um, the sort of the, the IQ of a, of a Dutch player and a Dutch executive, and has that Dutch sort of purism. Uh, I think in terms of the way he approaches the game, um, but he knows uh, frontier life a bit. Let's call it right. Life here in the U.S. is different. I think as a player, he was frustrated with where MLS was in 04 when he when he wrapped things up. But the league has changed immensely since then. There, there's certainly some fundamental cultural 
limitations or, or you know organizational limitations in terms of single entity uh, salary uh, budgets, all that sort of thing. So he he's going to have to deal with that, but I, I don't think he's he's going into this uh, blind by any means. I think he knows um, full well kind of what he's dealing with, and um, my guess is he'll have someone either already on staff or he'll find someone to be his Tim Bazbachenko, mm-hmm. who is the sort of capologist who Toronto brought in. Um, there's the sort of a growing class, a sort of a Theo Epstein style executive is becoming more common around the league. Someone to speak MLS, uh, someone with ex- enough experience of the, the, the nuances and the, the little details of, of, uh, player acquisitions and player movements. So my guess is, uh, Stewart is going to delegate the scouting process in large part for the super draft, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then he, he can sort of keep an eye on things and be kept in the loop. Uh, on what they have to do between now and, and uh, January, yeah, I, I, uh, but I have no doubt he'll be making calls and uh, and checking with agents and other folks in his network around Europe uh, already, kind of sort of laying the groundwork for any uh, winter transfer window signings. I, I don't think it can be overstated. Not only is this about competence and being a just being a good football man, soccer guy, the 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 uh, the respect that Darren Stewart has within American soccer circles certainly, but within international soccer circles based on his time in. Uh, in the Netherlands, uh, that brings a whole new luster to Philadelphia they just didn't have before with, with Sikevich doing a lot and, and sort of the, the revolving door of coaches. I seem to have lost Charlie. Oh, let me see if I can grab, let me see if I can grab Charlie back here. That was unfortunate, right in the middle of a question about, or right in the middle of a statement about uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Charlie, are you still there? Uh, let me try that. There he is. Hey, Charlie, sorry about that. We had a, a Skype malfunction. Are you with me? I am. Okay. I was just I was just saying that, that this brings a new luster to Philadelphia, just based on the amount of respect that that uh, Ernie Stewart has as a as a soccer guy, both here in the U.S. and his his reputation as a uh, U.S. international, having played here briefly, and and obviously back in his native Holland, where uh, uh, where he was running a club and had some success at Azad Akmor. So I I, that, I just wanted to lay that out there before I move on because I'm going to let you go shortly. I want to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team briefly. Uh, they get a win 3-1 over Brazil last night uh, in Orlando, 32,000, 33,000 people on hand. And, and really what it was about was Lauren Holiday and Lori Kolopny. Yeah, uh, another sort of memorable occasion, uh, an emotional occasion on the victory tour. Another batch of um, of players riding off into the sunset. Um, and uh, and really, you know, encouraging to see um, a higher quality of play overall. They They went out and got Brazil. Who have are in the midst of a residency program, so Brazil are um, a much tougher proposition for them on the field. Um, so it's more than just sort of a, a glorified uh, scrimmage against you know far inferior opposition. They're actually getting tested. I think Jill Ellis, the coach, is learning more from these two games against Brazil than she's learned in the months since the World Cup. Um, there's you know a lot of good stuff comes from there, and uh, and Brazil's laid down a pretty effective marker, I think, of of. Uh, where they can be for the Olympics next summer. I think they're ready to um, to show their best in a way they didn't show in the World Cup uh, over the summer. And uh, and so it's, it's a, a fun to see, you know, teams testing the U.S. a bit and, and maybe a preview of uh, fireworks to come next summer in Rio. Yeah, we did see uh, we did see a goal um, on her debut for Stephanie McCaffrey. And, and obviously there's some injection of, of new blood, not just because you have players retiring, but just because there's going to need to be some younger, uh, some younger faces in this team for the Olympic squad. Although it's a very tight squad, and and 
uh, you know, heard some discussion on the broadcast, which I was sort of in and out with, about how difficult it's going to be for Jill Ellis. Uh, I think it's it, it's only an eighteen woman squad for the for the Olympics, Charlie. Yeah, it is a smaller roster, significantly smaller. So there's going to be a, a couple of I think shock um, absences. There'll be some snubs uh, on the final roster, um, but it's a it's a it's a a problem that every coach in the world would love to have because. Um, the the depth, e- even with all the flaws, uh, you know, of the um, the player development system here in the U.S., no country on earth churns out um, really top level uh, potential internationals the way the U.S. does. Still, you know, and it's it's um, the average age of this team has been you know kind of spiked older because there's such a, uh, a devoted core, you know, a very uh, sort of trusted senior core to this roster. But they um, and there's there's factors in, at play in terms of their their collective bargaining agreement. They're um, they they're very well protected, and so seniority is highly um, uh, sort of um, preferential in the women's national team setup. That said, you know you could you could feel a really competitive team just out of debutantes. I think players that have earned their shot at the highest levels of the college game and in, in NWSL. You know NWSL which was founded specifically to create a competitive environment for current and future national teamers, it's working. There, there's players coming through all the time. There's talented players that, that still aren't getting their shot. And we saw you know, Morgan Bryan, one of the youngest players on the team at the World Cup, was one of the best and most important players. So really a lot of excitement, um, even though I think a lot of their fan base loves the stars, they love the, the established names. And if you, if you love the, the overall team ethic and you want to see the, the, the best possible u.s team uh there's a lot of, of fresh blood that should be very exciting right now yeah, and, those, and over the next year or two and those women are stars in the making absolutely tobin heath morgan bryan that there's there's so much talent here available and we'll see how jill ellis works it in it's uh, obviously those those women already part of a, a world championship team charlie bohm c-b-o-e-h-m on twitter should absolutely be following him and reading his work at mlssoccer.com soccerwire.com ussoccerplayers.com uh, wherever else Charlie pops up. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks for having me, Jason. Uh, there goes Charlie Bohm. Good stuff from him. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines on a Monday. Talk to you. Decision Day, Premier League, U.S. Women's National Team. Ernie Stewart returns to America. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are, Monday edition of Soccer Morning. Phone lines are now open, 646-832-3909. Say it one more time. I'll do it slower so you got it. 646-832-3909. I do that because I'm, I have a little bit of number dyslexia. Sometimes when I'm trying to memorize a number, it gets twisted up in my head. So I say it slowly so you can write it down, try to remember it, give us a call. It is an interesting Monday. We have the fallout from Decision Day with MLS as those teams prepare themselves for the playoff run. Four games over two days in midweek to get into the conference semifinals. We've got uh, Wednesday and Thursday action coming up. And it's, don't blink, 
because it's going to happen soon. Like you're, you better get ready for Wednesday. Here's something I saw. Our friend Jonathan Tannenwald from Philly.com was on Twitter yesterday, and, and and there's there's this there's this general feeling that MLS screws up, especially television broadcasts and and scheduling more often than not. Okay, and and it's a well earned sort of reputation for for a lot of reasons. But when it comes to these this playoff in 2015. We have seen progress, and yet people want, we expect a full jump to an even further a bit of progress, and we get frustrated. So, for example, L.A., Seattle, CenturyLink Field, 60,000 people. I don't know what they're going to sell. 60,000 people. You want that game because of what it represents, because of the two teams involved, because of the money that's going to be on the field. You want that game on national television as a major selling point for your league. Okay, it's on national television. It just happens to be on Spanish-language national television because all of the knockout round games are on Unimas. Now, that's not the best. Of course, we would love to have it on ESPN. Um, Of course, we'd love to have it on Saturday. I don't know the reasons why we went midweek here. And remember, there is a break in the playoffs between the conference semifinals and the conference finals because of the international break. That's when it happens, right, Trevor? It's conference uh, semis get done. We're going into the conference finals, and we have like a two-week break or whatever because of, uh, because of the international break when qualifiers start for the U.S. men's national team. So, you know, it, nothing is going to be perfect here. I'm not saying it can't get better. It can. But let's be happy that all four of these games on Wednesday and Thursday are actually on television that we can watch. Because we've had years when playoff games in MLS, playoff games, were only broadcast locally. And you had to have MLS Live or MLS Direct Kick to get it. Let's go to Roberto in Connecticut. What's up, Roberto? Yeah, we, yeah, we should be privileged, like you said, to have been able to be watching these games nationally. And people shouldn't complain because of that. You know, just be lucky that we live in an age where this can happen. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. You want to push for progress. You want to push the league to do better. You want to push it for, for it to be to be bigger and, and put itself on the biggest stage possible. But they obviously have to work within the constraints of their television partners. They have to work in with, within the constraints of the, of the schedule. And again, not being in the room when these decisions were made, I can't tell you if they made up for the right reasons. But yeah, all four games on Unimas. I have Unimas. Most people do. You get a chance to... Exactly. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, uh, I think Jonathan was on Twitter. By the way, follow the goalkeeper if you're looking for this stuff identifying where these games are going to be simulcast in their local markets, if they are. Seattle's going to have an English-language broadcast in Seattle. D.C. United, uh, DC United does not. I don't think L.A. does either. But those, but the, the channel that the game is on is over the air. So e- even if you're not, even if you don't have DirecTV or Comcast or whatever, you're still likely to be able to see the game. And, and again, that's progress, even if you... Even if you don't understand what the announcers are saying, and and you know, I don't know, try to learn yeah, Spanish. That goes to my that go to my next point. Yeah, doesn't matter what language it is. If you're watching know, the game know. for the whole ninety minutes, just watch it. And I don't think so either. Doesn't really and, matter. And you know what? If you really don't want to sit there and listen to Spanish language commentary, come on, who? It's always fun. I don't know. Exactly. Go to a bar. Get get your watch party together. <laughs> if you're if you're if it's not an in town game, I mean, obviously, if you're in Seattle, try to go to the game. If you're in DC, try to go to the game. Portland, uh, uh, where's uh, Montreal? Go to the game. But if you're not, if it's not in town, go to your local bar. Get a watch party together. Mute the TV and everybody watches. You know, just do whatever. I, I mean, I don't know if you want. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just don't. Exactly. You're just. It's 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 basically. 
22 men and just the ball and a pitch, basically. Uh, I just want to stick to the um, MLS Cup playoffs first before I go to my uh, actual question. Um, I just want your predictions for the four playoff matches. Let's see. Uh, I think Seattle beats L.A. I don't, I don't believe in L.A. certainly on the road. I think, man... Uh, Portland's boarding is a toss. I mean, both those both those uh, in the West are toss ups. I will I will take Sporting. Uh, it may be a it may be a penalty situation, but I'll take Sporting in that game. Uh, as much as I love Darlington Nagby, I think uh, Sporting's probably a better team right now. I will take Montreal to beat TFC. As sad as that is to see, really? yeah, I I think so. I mean, I, I just I, I think TFC is too inconsistent defensively. They're too frail. Uh, Drogba just ate them alive. Um, on on Sunday and then um, so, so I, I've got Montreal getting through and I think I'll take New England at, at, on the road against DC. I think that's Toronto one is also has to be the uh, match of the um, of the oh, so, yeah that's, that's going to be a close one that's for sure so great because it's not I mean I know it's a rematch of this week which is kind of I, I mean I'm not a big fan of it being a rematch nothing you can do about it but it, but obviously you have all of that embedded Canadian rivalry stuff. You've got Drogba. You've got Jovinko. If the and and you know Charlie Bone just said no team relies on one player more than Montreal relies on Didier Drogba. But if there's another team that's close, it's TFC and Sebastian Jovinko. So those two players head to head with advancement on the line in you know in a Canadian rivalry match. That's that's massive. Exactly. That's going to be one to watch. That's for sure. And I'm just sticking shifts now to Europe and um. The last time we spoke about Chelsea, it was about, um, I remember you were saying that, oh, there's no crisis at Chelsea or something. Josie's not going to get sacked despite the bad form. I said that? Well, you look at the, <laughs> I probably you did. I don't okay. know, but you All said right. that you would rely on Josie to stay. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine a guy like Jose Mourinho being fired unless things are so bad. And I don't know when we talked about this, Roberto, but yeah, he could be fired tomorrow. I mean, at this point, I, 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 it wouldn't be a surprise anymore, would it? No, no, of course. I mean, look, I'm, I'm hearing stuff, and you, you you can't really trust a lot of people now because of everything going on at the same time, but you hear these rumors saying, oh, he's going to be gone by the 1st of November or before the New Year, before Christmas, et cetera, et cetera, if results go bad, you know? Yeah, and, and look, they, they don't get much worse for a team that's a defending champion and has eyes on a repeat than it is for Chelsea right now. Uh, you know, losing to West Ham... West Ham's not a bad team this year, obviously. They're in third place. No. But losing to West Ham, and right now Chelsea's in 15th. They are, they are five points off the drop zone. They, they have 11 points from 10 matches. That's, that's disastrous. That's, that's, that's nuclear-level stuff for a team like Chelsea. And their rival fans are, and their rival um, team Arsenal are just rubbing it in their face. Mm. Yeah, Arsenal right now tied at the top of the table. I thought I thought uh, Arsenal was still in first. I guess Manchester City on goal differential uh, has them pipped at the moment. Uh, Roberto, got anything else? I got a bunch of people get wanting to get in. No, not appreciate no, the call. Good stuff, man. Roberto in Connecticut. Um, always a good call. Let's go to Richard in Philadelphia. Richard, what's up? Jason, hallelujah, the union have made the best front office decision since 2010. Hallelujah. Ernie Stewart has arrived. What, uh, what does it mean to you, Richard? The winds are coming. That's what it means. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's, let, let's <laughs> well, just very briefly sketch this out because, again, he's not taking the job till January 1. That doesn't mean that 
things are going to go poorly between now and then. But there's going to be decisions have to be made. I think Curtin stays on. Everything out of Philadelphia says that he's probably going to keep the job. I don't think you rock that boat if you're Ernie Stewart, especially at the at the front of the year when training camp starting in like a month. Um, what can he do between now and the beginning of 2016 that gets you thinking we're going to be headed in the right direction? Well, well, I'm just throwing it out there because we we're so far apart from the courts, but. We still have to go through the roster. There's like Latouz, but uh, we have uh, and the contracts with two Madonna, Noguera. They we need to figure that out. We're going to release some players at least to give some cap space that which is important. And we still need to figure out, you know, if current stays. I think current should stay. I know some people don't want him to want him to be. It all depends on guess what's Ernie's agenda going in. Because that was the whole thing with Ali Curtis coming in. It was, well, what's his agenda? What's his agenda? Once he got his agenda, everything set out right for the level. So it's going to be depending on the agenda. But this is just the scene. But I'm excited because this is the first clear right direction move the union has done in a long time. Because everything should either be seen to be backwards or nowhere. This is the first one where actually look, has them looking in the right direction. It has me at least a little bit excited for the, for this upcoming off season mm, and yeah. the upcoming season. That's. I mean, look. I it, still don't. It's a positive. It's a positive step, and obviously, Union fans needed that. Yeah, definitely, especially after the season. Like last night, yeah, they won, but it didn't. It didn't feel great, though. Like, okay, we won, but it really did, did it really? It didn't really mean anything. No, of course not. Of course not. And you know, yeah. it's, it's a penalty, and I'm not even sure about that penalty. And uh, you know, it, it's. Well, actually, no, maybe I, maybe I'm thinking of a different penalty, but whatever. You, you win one nothing against a team like Orlando, who really doesn't didn't have a shot to get into the playoffs. And yeah, look, the, the the Union came up short of their goals this year. Well, that's why you make changes. Why Sukovic is out? It's why Ernie Stewart is is in, and we'll we'll see what happens now, Richard. Yeah, uh, one more thing. I I disagree with you, Charlie Baum, and you and Charlie Baum. I I I still see the Galaxy winning. Okay. All right. Uh, it, hey, we'll, we'll, it's, they, they've always seen they, they always seem to just let the regular season do whatever do whatever and just go slowly. And once the playoff hits, the switch always turns on for Bruce Wayne and, and the okay. LA Galaxy. So we'll see if I'm he's got his. We'll see if Bruce has got his hand on the switch again. I think he's got to figure out Stephen Gerrard. It'll be interesting to see. He's going to start. Uh, he's going to play against Seattle, but is he going to be effective? By the way, I completely spaced on Unimas in, in English. The SAP function. So. Yeah, that'll. I, I imagine that'll be available. Although, with double headers two nights, do they have the coverage for that. Do they have the English language announcers for that because I'm not sure. That's a lot of bandwidth there. Mark Fishkin, what's up, Mark? Happy uh, Happy Supporter Shield Day. Thank you very much. It's going to be somewhat of a habit. I yeah, think. two, I two, and three. It's almost like you're a successful. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's fine. Uh -huh. Listen, after going 18 years without a single meaningful trophy, two and three years uh, oh, no, feels it's, yeah, I guess it's really be fantastic. It's got to be good. And, and, I, had a, and you know, I had a question. Um, somebody asked me on Twitter I think yesterday uh, for this show, and I'll ask you since you're here. I think the question essentially was, I can't find it, uh, do you think that this was always the Ali Curtis 300-page plan place that they would be i mean you're not going to turn down success but or do you think that this is actually a little earlier than expected i honestly can't imagine that that ollie or anyone and we, we talked to ollie last week on seeing red thought that this was going to come together quite so quickly um listen it's it the marathon is over and and now it's time for the sprint the one thing i'll say is 
a phenomenal job by the league for decision day as a concept. Great job in terms of making the uh, the switching the game from the five to seven p.m. Eastern kickoff. So you had that last ten minutes where Dallas was winning and Chicago had the Red Bulls on the ropes a little bit. It was uh, it was a great. Uh, wonderful tension, and of course, the Red Bulls fans turned out to be uh, terrific at the end. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, you know, I saw. I was actually in my car uh, during a, most of the Red Bulls game, listening on Sirius XM, uh, and and it was you could hear it in the voice of the announcer. And certainly, I saw some of your tweets that you know it was <laughs> okay. We're bringing on. I brought out. You brought on Zubar at one point to try to just lock it down, sort of desperation soccer. And look. It's not pretty from a Red Bulls perspective, but that's what that day and all those games happening at one time gives you, right? I mean, certainly Jesse Marsh knows what's happening in Dallas, so it's a matter of, okay, we've got to hold on to this one-goal lead. Let's throw on defenders, and and then we get this frantic end, and I I thought it was brilliant. I thought the whole day, I mean, the Eastern Conference was boring for a while, and then all of a sudden things started happening. We got like three goals all happening essentially at the same time. Montreal was down, and then they were up, and it was... The 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 uh, the changes to the uh, to the matchups, the playoff matchups happening in real time was fascinating. Yeah, sure, and and so much change, and I don't think anyone saw necessarily uh, Columbus taking care of DC quite so handily. No, and they are absolutely limping into this game with New England, and I I, I can't imagine too many folks are going to pick United to win at home um, on Wednesday night. The Canadian matchup will be terrific. I mean, all, all, all these knockout round games are going to be wonderful. And after such a terrific finish, um, you know, have, having, uh, I was a big opponent of going to six playoff teams for conference, but looking at these games yeah. that are going to be played midweek, they're all going to be high tension, uh, terrific theater, and it's it's um, the regular season was just a phenomenal. Here, here's something fascinating to consider from a, from your team's perspective, from a Red Bulls perspective. I mean, obviously they wanted to go to Chicago, get a supporter shield, second in three years, blah blah blah. They they weren't they weren't playing for seating, but everybody else was, and and there was certainly a possibility that it could have come out with Montreal in sixth place, and then Montreal's going on the road to face somebody in the first round. But if they get through that. Then that's the team the Red Bulls would have faced in the in the conference semifinals. I, I think that you know, like I said, as we look at the the matchups here, because the Rebels are going to get the lowest remaining seed between those mm-hmm. four teams. So you've got uh, you, you've obviously got New England as the sixth seed in the East. That's that's not necessarily a team you want to face. Should they be DC United? Uh, sorry, they're fifth, and then um, uh, sixth place is T- TFC, and then TFC comes into uh, you know if TFC manages to beat Montreal. They're playing the Red Bulls. They've got Jovinko. They've certainly got enough talent. I'm I just wondering what you what you make of of who you want to see and how those how those spots played out. So that now again, it, it's conceivable that you get TFC or or New England um, in the playoffs or or, or, or DC, or D, or D, right? And yeah, so or DC the Red Bulls United. can't play Montreal in the right. next round. Yes, which it's only yeah. really is a godsend. Frankly, I mean they are blazing white hot. And even though uh, New York was able to take them down in the last few weeks of the season, that it was a match without Piatti on the field for the impact. Yeah. Um, they were able to manage Drogba, who was only held to a one PK. But yeah, I, I mean, New England, obviously there's, there's a ton of playoff history, the epic uh, Eastern Conference finals, 
a matchup of last season where you have Jermaine Jones giving a scissor kick, a two-footed scissor kick to Dax McCarty that goes without any sort of call. You have Bradley Wright Phillips uh, picking up a second, you know, a yellow that um, suspended him for the last game. And you've got, I mean, I still see that ball coming over Tim Cahill's shoulder in Foxborough in the dying moments uh, from Henri that would have, if he was able to convert it, would have sent New York to the MLS Cup. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it, there's no, in a, in a parity league like this, like this, there is absolutely no ideal matchup for anybody. These games are going to be blood sport and they're going to be ugly and they're going to be gritty and it's going to be who's going to make a mistake first is going to help determine a lot of uh, these matchups. So, you know, New York was able to throttle Giovinco earlier in the summer and dominated them at home 3-0 and then uh, a DP-less Toronto was able to somehow beat New York and hold on until Giovinco can do that wonder goal. Um, and maybe it would be DC United. I, I can't imagine anyone would be terrified of DC United right now, frankly, but maybe they'll show up at home. Yeah. So I don't think there's well, an I, ideal I, matchup. It, it, I, I don't think there's going to be any ease here. It's going to be high nerves and high stress. And um, the nice thing about, I, I guess, for the Red Bulls that were on part of the, the, the 2013 team that won the Shield two years ago, that are still there, and it's the spine of the team, right? Yeah. It's Robles, it's Dax, it's Bradley, it's Lloyd Sam. Um, they understand, you know, that this is just one hurdle, and there's a lot more to go. Yep. Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red. Go check it out. I uh, imagine they'll have some great stuff during the playoffs. Mark, appreciate the call. Thank you. Always good. Be well. Thanks. There goes Mark Fishkin. Let's turn now back to the Philadelphia crew, and, uh, well, not the Philadelphia, the people from Philadelphia, Rick and Philly, you're on the air. Jason, can you possibly imagine how happy I am right now? Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Rick is a gigantic Dutch football fan, so for him, I'm sure this is Nirvana today with Ernie Stewart joining his local MLS club. Jason, this is you know what's most great about it? it I called you the day that Sikevich was let go, and I said I couldn't be truly happy because it being negative, it's taking away, even taking away something bad. Today I can be truly happy, and the reason for it is this. Not just are we going to have, finally, some kind of philosophy coming from the GM office, which we've never really had, aside from Novak's Duplog Archipelago. Um, for, for the first time, the union has made a major decision based entirely on what is best for the soccer team. If they were just trying to placate the fan base, if they were just trying to do it for PR, they would have hired a, a relatively big name. They would have hired somebody from the EPL. They would have hired somebody whose name would resonate and hopefully get them a couple minutes on, you know, sports talk or whatever. Or not to say Ernie Stewart isn't a big name, but Ernie Stewart is the right choice. He's the perfect fit for this team, and I'm just absolutely ecstatic. There you go. Um, Rick and Philly, very excited about Ernie Stewart. I guess, you know, I, I guess folk marks to whoever – Whoever talked Ernie Stewart into taking this job? I mean, I don't know that Sugarman's the point guy. He's probably got somebody else doing his work. But was Sikevich no longer in that job? I don't know. I'm curious to know who did this, uh, Rick. There was there was some rumors uh, that uh, the MLS main office actually got involved with these conversations. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. But uh, no, this is this, this this is a great day. You know, I, I went to the game last night and I watched the Union win, and it was the most disinterested I'd ever been in watching a Union game. But today, it's just 
you know, I promised, I actually, I made a pledge that if they hired Ernie Stewart, I would not be negative about the team for a year. And I'm going to hold to that promise. And I want you to hold me to that, too. All right. So no negativity from Rick in Philly for a full year on the union. That's, that's, I, I don't think you can do it, Rick. I really don't. I can do it. I can do it. I really can. And also, uh, because Mark's a friend of mine as well, I just want to say, as hard as it is for me to say, I want to congratulate the Red Bulls for finally winning the right way. Okay. I don't know what that means exactly, but there you go. <laughs> Appreciate the call, Rick. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, Rick, uh, drop it out a bit there. Let's go to, let's. we're just going back and forth. Philly, New York. Philly, New York. Stan in New York. What's up? Hey, how's it going, brother? Doing well, man. What's on your mind? Hey, man. Um, I'm going to talk about Chicago and, you know, just kind of like add on to the teams at MLS that aren't cutting it, like Rick's team out in Philly. But um, the whole winning the right way thing, look, I'm from New York. I've seen those guys spend money on Rafa and Thierry and Tim. And, you know, we still want to support his show with Thierry. You know, so the whole win the right way thing, I'm not sure if he's referring to the RSL thing, but... Look, LA's been winning um, any way they can, and I'm pretty sure they splashed the cash. So, again, maybe when you get him back, he clarifies the whole win the right way thing. But the Red Bulls, to me, are just a team that, you know, they really kind of like, they've shown what they can really do. And I'm just proud of those guys to have done it without Thierry. So, whichever way, you know, they've done it, kudos to those guys in Redman. Yes, thank you. Let me, let, ahead, let, let me just jump in here because I think, I mean, look, a lot of people have spilled words on this. A lot of people have said this, but I think it, be, it bears reiterating. What is, what's astounding to me about this season for the New York Red Bulls is, again, they, they, they fire their coach, their, their, their much-beloved head coach, Mike Pecky. They bring in a new technical director, whatever Ali Curtis's title is. They set up a new plan. They get a new identity. They, hire, they bring in a bunch of new players. Like, like Mark said, the, the core is still there. Robles, Bradley Wright Phillips, Dax McCarty, uh, uh, Lloyd Sam, you want to throw him in there. But they, they did bring in some new blood. They bring in Felipe. They bring in Sasha Kleschid. They start, uh, they start relying... The, the, the fullback situation is still amazing to me how they keep rolling pe- through people there and they didn't just make the playoffs in year one they won the supporter shield now uh, look there's a lot of reasons to sort of downgrade the supporter shield it's not a balanced schedule they didn't play as many teams in the west whatever it's still astounding and the, the the biggest thing for me stan and i know you know this as a new york fan there's no drama in new york right now <laughs> And there's always drama in New York. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. something. It's it's Pecky benching Terry Henry. It's Tim Cahill flying out for Australia matches. It's somebody uh, being upset. It's Rafa Marquez throwing hissy fits. There's always something. This team has none of that. Look, and the thing is, even even with like the hissy fits and like Rafa chucking a ball at Landon, <laughs> which I I still kind of like almost tear up. Like this guy really threw a ball at the guy. <laughs> um, but in terms of kind of like how the team has come together, it, like to touch on your point about the fullbacks, when you look at Connor Lade, like this kid, the the kind of like leaps and bounds he's grown under under um, Mars specifically. Yeah, he did the, the whole thing with Geo last season with the Cosmos. But for me, he. He owns that left back or right back position. Yeah, he got torn up in a game, but who doesn't, you know, occasionally? You know, like Pirlo has bad games. You know, so for Christ's sakes, give him a break. But, like, your overall point about, like, them kind of, like, just really coming on with, like, these new pieces, keeping that core and bossing everybody around. Like, they're just not beating teams. They're really embarrassing them. That high press, like, 
that game where DC, where the coach came out at the end of the game and just said, yeah, like they're, go- they're the gold standard, for me, they are. And, yeah. yeah, they got beat by Orlando, but that was them being exposed out of the counter. You know, you bend, but they got broken. So, hey, they paid for that. And Orlando, when you have Kyle Lahren, he's breaking anybody. But, you know, in terms of, like, with their style of play, they just destroy everybody. Everybody, and you have to respect it, and I love it because, of course, you know, I'm a New York guy. But in terms of, like, going from a team that's doing great and to kind of, like, get into teams that are just, if I could relegate them, I would. Like, what is going on with Chicago? Well, like, look, Chicago, look. to me, is the, the example, and again, I'm not getting into relegation, but the <laughs> example of horrible management. Because sure. I don't think it's the guy sure. that's splashing the cash. Sure. But I think, like, the decisions they make in terms of the technical director, then the head coach, it's just like they bring in these old players that don't have a lick of kind of like, like Ernie Stewart. He earned his bones in, in Europe, you know? Yeah. But when you bring on Brian Bliss or you keep him look, as the technical uh, director, okay. I'm listening, go okay. ahead. Well, I it mean, just look, makes no sense. The, How do they want to progress? We, we, we have to wait and see. They, they've got Nelson Rodriguez, okay? A lot of people respect the hell out of Nelson Rodriguez. He's been... Part of MLS and the structure for a long time. It's a very different sort of hire um, and, and different jobs than than what Ernie Stewart's going to do um, in Philadelphia. But I think it sets the table for them to make some positive steps. I like. I'd like to see them get. I'd like to see them go after a young, smart coach, somebody who can step in. I, I'm not sure who it is right now. I have to go through the mental Rolodex. If Jason, Christ, can I interrupt? It, it, go Why ahead. You said, said coach. Winalda. Okay. Okay. Give them Winalda, okay, and I'm telling you, sure. you need somebody with the backbone and the pair to say and implement the style that okay. he believes. All right. All right. The, the, I would love to see Eric Winalda in this league. I would love for them to take a shot a shot at him. I, I don't know if they have. I don't know if they if if they believe it's the right thing. And 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 the problem is that people tend to think think long term. They don't go. Well, let's hire Eric Winalda. He'll be here for two years, and we'll see what happens. And it might be great. They go, who's the guy we want for the next five? And I think it's difficult to imagine Eric Winalda being there for five years. I think that's just that's just tough based on who he but is that, and what he that's says. That's the thing. Guys don't, give him, guys don't give him enough of the shot. But he's gone to the MLS outlets, and he's interviewed. Like, the guy wants a shot. And I really think, like, um, I follow him on Twitter. And I think he said a comment the other day. He said, like, the guy currently at Chicago didn't, like, didn't want poker. He said he'd be average his best. Like, just think about that. The no, guy that's I, I, bringing I in talent said that the guy who has, like, four goals, seven assists would be average his best. I think Chicago could use the, could use the lifeblood and could really use, like, some guy that's going to think a little bit outside the box. And no, no, I, I'm with you. I, I'm really with you. turn that team around. And it sh- look, shake up the MLS, uh, the, the sort of boring MLS structure that tends to ro- rotate through. I mean, Chicago stands as an example. I think Frank Gallup is, a, is ultimately, at the basic level, a good coach. But he's no longer the guy that should be leading the big clubs in MLS anymore. I mean, that's just... It's time to move on from that group of, of coaches and move into a new, a new, a new generation. And Winalda fits, he checks those boxes. The boxes Winalda does not check are, are again, <laughs> some of the ones that, that, look, conservative people making conservative choices aren't going to hire Eric Winalda. I hope they, I hope they try. I hope they give him a shot. And there's, there's absolutely no doubt that Eric Winalda can identify talent. He did a great job with it in, in Atlanta with Cal FC. He's got a bunch of guys who've gone on to big things that he picked out, and that, that's a big deal. Uh, i got to run, Stan. Appreciate the call, man. Hey, you have All a good right. week, man. There Take you it go. easy. Uh, look, I, it would be great. Let's, let's, let's bring Eric Ronaldo into MLS. Uh, absolutely. Washington, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Jason? How's it going? Um, first of all, I have to ask you a question. Before I do, i got to do this. Um, 
first of all, just so so it's clear, you know I'm NYCFC. You know I'm in, I I believe New York is blue. I'm NYCFC for life, so I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm about to say. Okay, but I gotta give credit where credit is due. And as a bigger man, I, I want to congratulate the New York Red Bull on winning the Sports Shield. All right. Okay. All right. Getting that out of the way. Hello. Yeah, I, 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 you got it out of the way. I'm going to let you just hang there for a second, Washington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, go, go ahead. Look, look, you well, want... Okay. So my question was: okay. first of all, I, I um, just to mention one thing, I, I went to uh, uh, NYC. I went to see the NYCFC game last Sunday, and um, you know, you know the score. We don't have to hash that one out. But the, um, the just want to say that it was a great experience, and I want to give props out to uh, NYCFC and, and to the team, and specifically to both. And I don't know if this was caught in the broadcast, it probably wasn't. But uh, V and Lampard got out there at right at the end, got into the middle of the pitch and gave thanks to all the fans. And they didn't apologize, but they, you know, for what they were saying, it was almost like an apology for this season. You know, you guys deserve better. And the next season, I just want to give them a shout out. Thank you very much for that because I appreciated it, and I'm sure all the fans there too, mm-hmm. did too. All right. right, that's great. Now, one last thing, one last thing, one question, because I, I don't, this, this has bounced back so many times that I don't believe it until I hear from Jason. That's what, that's, I actually said this when I read the tweet. And you probably covered it just because of work. I wasn't able to listen. Is it true that the United States is, are, is the U.S. now hosting Copa America oh, next that's, summer? Yeah. It's a done deal. Been announced by CONCACAF, uh, Washington. Get yourself, get, <laughs> stuff, get your, get your money ready. Get your, you know, you're going to be buying tickets. Right. Yep, you're going to be buying tickets. <laughs> Uh, Ezra, you you made my day, man. I didn't want to believe because I've believed too much over the last couple of years, yeah. and they got my heart broken. No, Thanks no, a lot, Jason. I, I, you know what? I even forgot that that happened. What did that happen on, on Friday, Trevor? I, on I, Friday, yeah, yeah, yeah Friday. it happened on Friday, and I I even forgot to bring it into uh into this show because it, it happened so long ago in terms of the weekend. But U.S. Soccer uh put out a release. U.S. Soccer to host prestigious Copa America Centenario in 2016. So, if U.S. Soccer is announcing it, it is a done. Deal. Now we just wait for the cities. All right, my man. All right. Take care, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. That's uh, Washington up in, in New York. Yeah, I, I, it was a, a very busy weekend, so I missed some stuff. I, min- I missed, I, I mentioned uh, uh, G- was it Gianni Infantino being uh, pr- proposed as a, by the way, that's the guy who, that's the bald guy who's always at the UEFA draws, if you know who that is. Um, he's, he's the guy that UEFA is pushing for FIFA president right now. Also, Tokyo. Shishwale? No idea. I'm going to try that. It, it looks like sex, sex whale. I'm not going to say it's sex whale. Shishwale. Anyway, he's also running for FIFA president. And we've got Copa, Copa America Centenario. Which I, I, now I've got to go talk on SiriusXM about that. And maybe we'll cover it more here tomorrow. Get your reaction to the fact that, to the news that this is actually happening. I am excited. Trevor, let's get, let's get our tour booked. We're going around the country. We're taking the show. I hope. Maybe. Can we get a can we get a title sponsor for that? Uh, the Soccer Morning Copa America Centenario Tour brought to you by I don't know. All right, let's wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much to everybody uh, who called in. Thank you to Charlie Bohm for his insight. Uh, welcomed as always. Good stuff from him. Uh, go uh, I don't know. Go do things on Twitter with us at, at Soccer Morning. Uh, go buy, go get a Sirius XM subscription so you can listen to. The Daily Show over there at Sirius XM FC Channel 85. Um, what else, Trevor? What else can I tell people to do to help support the show? Uh, get us your, I don't know, get us your, I don't know, whatever. Send us, send us stuff. Questions, comments, concerns. We'll hit them all. 
Go to iTunes. Do all that. All right, we're done. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. A big Tuesday show. Headed one very playoffs. Playoffs start on Wednesday, guys. It's it's here. Soccer morning. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every curve.